This is episode number 11 with Dr. Kerry Howe. G'day legends and welcome to Your Life of Impact, where we connect with world-class athletes and coaches, health experts and enthusiasts, inspiring entrepreneurs and community leaders, all to teach you how to tap into your inner excellence. I'm your host, Brett Robbo, and I'm extremely grateful you're joining us today on Your Impactful Journey. Gratitude, 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 yeah. Most of you would know by now that gratitude is a core value of mine and I practice it in many ways every day. I was excited to get Kerry onto the podcast to teach us all how the action of gratitude, not just the expression, can change our energetic states and improve all areas of our lives. Dr. Kerry Howes is an academic and teacher educator in the University of Tasmania, teaching in the areas of gratitude in education, professional studies, practitioner research, and teacher leadership. I connected with Kerry at a high-performance sporting conference where she presented on the studies she's undertaking with the Australian Institute of Sport and Australia's Olympic and Paralympic athletes and the power of gratitude to achieve results. In this episode, you will learn the role gratitude can play in enhancing not only our own personal well-being, but also our relationships with others and improvement of society as a whole. You will learn how resentment is the opposite to gratitude and ways to shift away from this unhelpful state and physiological benefits to expressing gratitude. Kerry's research has shown that gratitude has a particular role in improving teaching and learning and she has published several academic papers that report on her findings in the areas of school leadership and teaching, pre-service teacher education, indigenous education and academic learning. This is a very informative episode to help you understand all paradigms of gratitude. Dr. Kerry Howes, welcome to Your Life of Impact. Thank you very much, Brett. Great to be with you. Now, I am extremely grateful to have you on the podcast and I don't just say that because you are the gratitude master, but (laughs) I met you at a conference in Sydney last month and I was like a little kid in a candy store listening to your presentation on what you called the introduction to the practice of gratitude and this is because well, people who know me all know that gratitude is a huge part of my daily being. So I don't even get out of bed every day before expressing three things that I'm grateful for. Uh, if you try and phone me and get my message bank, I ask you to tell me what you're most grateful for before I'll get back to you. I have an alarm on my phone that goes off at 2.30 every single day that says, take a breath and express gratitude towards one thing right now. And one, when I speak to operators on the phone, such as credit card companies, electricity, internet phone, etc., and they say at the end of the conversation, is there anything else I can do for you today? I always say, Yes, there is actually. If you could tell me what you're most grateful for, please, that'd be awesome. And I love this one because it completely shifts their tone and I can sense their energetic state change on the phone. We end up having conversations about their plans, their family, their health or whatever it may be. And another 
thing is I'm on the Gold Coast at the moment with a few of my high-performance uh, para-athletes and we're training and preparing for our world championships in London next month and every night at dinner before we eat, we go around the table and express what we're most grateful for on that day or in that moment. Wow, that's so brilliant. <laughs> that's why I called you Mr. Gratitude because I picked out from your responses to my my questions how how much you really practice this in your daily life. So. Yes, keep going. It's fantastic. Absolutely, yeah, I do love it, and that's why I'm. I was excited like a little kid in a candy store then, and I feel the same way today to have this chat with you. So, Kerry, tell us a bit more about what you do in the research field around gratitude and how you got into this. Okay, well, I might start with this second question first because that will lead into how it started with the research. So um, I was teaching at a university and uh, over 20 years ago, that's showing my age, and I was teaching an, a, a philosophy course called Cultural and Ethical Values. And the students who came into this class were really full of complaint and dissatisfaction and taking life for granted and had a sense of entitlement. And then that didn't really meet, meet with my feeling about the class because I thought they were just so blessed to be able to study all these great philosophers and be able to really um, advance their thinking and apply it to all their different fields of law and business because this was a great opportunity to make cultural and ethical values come alive for them and as part of their education. So we were at stalemate and in the end I just decided to listen to what it was that was stopping them from being able to really engage in their studies and I realised that um, they weren't really intending to come into the class like this but they were their whole kind of attitude was one of complaint and dissatisfaction and really lacking in gratitude. And so I suggested to them that they practice gratitude and that we do it together. And we did that for a whole um, semester. And as a result of that, they reported getting more engaged in their studies and more connected to their subject matter and to the other lecturers and overall better health and well-being and great ability to attend to their studies. And it was just phenomenal. And so that was the beginning of my really long 20-year journey into the role of gratitude in education. And from from there, I did my PhD looking at kind of like a framework for introducing this, this, um, this kind of notion and other notions that are associated with it and where it fits into education. And then I went, um, I sort of progressed from students to teachers and developed a whole pedagogy and professional development platform for bringing this into teacher education, which I've been doing for over the last decade. And from there, I went into school leadership and each step of the way, I've been have, had the opportunity to research the impact of people practicing gratitude and the impact of that on themselves and their general environment. So it's been a very exciting and very fulfilling journey. And I feel very fortunate to have this research arm of my work because when I stand up and give these the things that we kind of intuitively know make a lot of sense when it's got the weight of research behind it people tend to take take notice a bit more absolutely and we'll go into some of the research uh, shortly but you mentioned there around the teacher education I remember you said to us at your presentation that when you uh, when you were asked to engage with schools and universities that you actually respond that you won't engage with the students until you have taught these 
the importance of gratitude and processes and things like that to the leaders and the teachers because your belief around it needing to be filtered right from the top before you can actually teach the students. Yes, that's exactly right. And that's what my research has actually shown me as well, that when school leaders start practicing gratitude more consciously, and I really need to make that point up front um, because – you know, when we need to recognise also that people are already practising gratitude, but my work perhaps brings it to closer attention or shows where it can be practised in different ways. But I never start any session thinking that people aren't already practising gratitude because we can't really survive in communities without gratitude. But it's just more honing in on the relevance to the actual educative process where my work's probably given a nuance to the notion of gratitude and Certainly I start with school leaders first and um, they practice for a whole term and then moving into um, teachers uh, for a whole term once they're seeing it modelled and the language of gratitude is kind of becoming alive, more alive in the school perhaps. And then often, um, even though they started out thinking that we need to do it with students, often by that time, by the time school leaders and school teachers are practising, then there's... Um, I don't need to come in and do any work with the students because they're already automatically practicing gratitude because they're seeing that and feeling that from the people who are in who who are teaching them and leading the school. You mentioned there that they're they're feeling that. So what what are some of the sort of physiological benefits that people get or that you've found in your research that the power of gratitude actually exposes us to? Well, I think that I need to make it clearer in my answer to this question that I'm more of a philosopher and educationalist rather than a psychologist. That's my kind of field of inquiry and the lens through which I look at gratitude so that I'm interested in the psychological benefits and they certainly um, talk about them, but that's not really an area that I can kind of um, stand up and say, yeah, this is exactly what happens psychologically in terms of psychological testing, etc. But nevertheless, they really do um, focus on um, – they, they nevertheless, the teachers and the school leaders, one of the factors that is quite a common theme throughout all my research is that they report feeling calmer once they, once they start practising gratitude. And another sort of distinction I'd need to make here, Brett, is that um, I'm talking about gratitude as an expression, as an action, not just a psychological state. So I'm encouraging from the beginning my participants to think about deepening their gratitude to move from just a feeling or an emotion, emotional response of what we're grateful for to finding a way of expressing that in some action. And so I'm looking at the impact of acts of gratitude on individuals and on the relationships that that they're affecting in their gratitude. So many of them talk about a feeling calmer because they've because that gratitude has actually strengthened the relationships around them. And we all know that when we're dealing with really difficult or complex relationships, that can actually cause a lot of anxiety and and um, sort of uh, stress and burnout in the teaching context anyway. And so gratitude has, in practice in this way, has a really powerful effect on um, addressing those difficulties in relationships so that people can feel a lot more connected to their community and enjoy work more and they also re- report um, greater morale in their work as a result of really focusing on relationships with gratitude. So 
the way I'm talking about gratitude is very, very um, relational rather than just an emotion. I love that and I love that you use the word action because I think that's one thing that a lot of people lack. There's a lot of knowledge or expressiveness but act to actually take action in our lives is where the, the real power starts to possess and, you know, gratitude is more about the character and the being of the person and not just the mindset. And I remember you spoke a lot about that in your presentation. And one thing that you mentioned quite a bit was being a champion of your character. Yes. Um, That's something that I've formulated more recently actually in my work with the Australian Institute of Sport and other sporting organisations because um, I'm, I'm sort of using this model to talk to athletes and to coaches of athletes to emphasize the fact that 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 it's not enough just to be a champion of our mental and physical prowess or abilities it's really important that we also become champions of our character and what that means in the gratitude sense is that we need to really make relationships count and give priority to making those relationships as great and as rich and as flourishing as they can be. And I believe the missing link to be able to do that is gratitude. And so once we infuse our relationships with gratitude, as you have really given great examples of Mr. Gratitude when you started the podcast, once we infuse these relationships with gratitude, that's when we can start to really raise our level of being and our character because to do that is actually quite complex but but it takes a commitment to be not to be a champion of our character and not to take our mind or our attention away from that when we're focusing more on the other pursuits that are more about the physical and the mental as as you know um sport has kind of constructed it that way up until recently yeah absolutely and that's what i sort of took from when you were saying being a champion of your character where the char- our character for every person is a trait that we can train like any other aspect of our life and you know, we train our physical skills, our emotional intelligence, our mental skills and if we can approach our character in this same way, we can see the possibility of essentially moulding our character and I would say that our character uh, is a result of our true alignment and you know, are we operating congruently with our core values and our own belief systems and, and not other people's belief systems and understanding that our beliefs are not rigid and they can and should change as we learn, grow and develop in the world. And when I think about you talking about champion of character, I sort of sum it up as authenticity in a sense. Yes. Yeah, that's a really lovely way of explaining it. I'd probably talk about integrity as well, where we're becoming more whole in being able to, um, to to be able to focus when we focus on our character and we make that really important in our reflection at the end of the day, etc. And you might remember, Brett, in that kind of diagram that I used in that presentation, I talked about I had three circles. So I had um, champion of your physical, champion of your mental and champion of your character and they're all really interconnected. And I think up until now, even though there has been discussion about championship of character or developing our character strengths, I mean, there's so much research now about character strengths. What I'm advocating is that we consider the three as really interconnected. And so we're not kind of focusing on our character as something that's 
sort of separate from our mental and physical focus. So we're not kind of in the sporting context, for example, we're not focusing on character outside the pool or, um, you know, that we're not sort of seeing it as irrelevant to the actual performance. So that I, I, what my preliminary research with the AIS has shown just with 10 athletes is that once we encourage athletes to focus on gratitude as a really important part of their character development, their physical and their mental um, performance gets improves so it's really good to I believe to really see them all as very interlinked rather than separate I don't know what you think about that oh, I couldn't agree more absolutely I think that that that's uh, the case for so many things in our life and as soon as we try and separate things then that's where we challenge ourselves because everything actually is interrelated and I do remember that slide uh, that you're talking about and I couldn't agree more with what you're saying you mentioned there about the stuff the work you've been engaged with uh, the Australian Institute of Sport and obviously we met because of your research into the role of gratitude into Olympic and Paralympic sport um, because of the AIS and what they've sort of brought you on to help them with. Now, what I love about your research and what you're presenting is around the personal energetic states that we sort of touched on before and the fact that if we're in a state of gratitude then we can't be in a state of resentment and you can you explain that a little bit more for all the listeners and then I really like the way you break down resentment okay well this is the topic of my next book so I'm really very very happy to be talking about this because I'm living eating eating and breathing thinking about this at the moment so uh, there's a really um, great philosopher who's discussed gratitude at length called Robert Roberts, and he's shown that conceptually gratitude is the opposite of resentments. So where there's resentment, you can't have gratitude, and where there's gratitude, you can't have resentment. And that doesn't mean we don't have both psychological states living within us because we've got a bit of both. Um, we're not, not sort of totally evolved yet, but we're... Um, where, where the power of this is that is to be able to conceptualize gratitude as a way of moving away from resentment. So we, we, we need to be thinking about the shadow side of some of these psychological states that we're aspiring towards because when we embrace the shadow, we're able to really um, see that, that the other character strength in, it, in, it, in its kind of more realistic light. So I'll just give you an example of this, and it's one that I gave um, at the presentation where um, the, the athlete, uh, one of these athletes that we were working with, um, when we, as soon as I started talking about this whole um, contrast between gratitude and resentment and, and the need to move away from resentment in order to be able to practice gratitude more fully and more authentically and with greater integrity, the workshop came alive because one of these athletes started to share how um, post-Rio she re- realised that um, her her ability to actually perform as well as she could have was inhibited by the resentment that she had received from one of a fellow athlete who wasn't selected and and for for the um, position in the Olympic Games that she was selected for. So um, this athlete was um, sort of dumped a lot of her resentment on the athlete who was selected and this athlete was feeling so disappointed and upset that she actually confessed to taking that sense of of resentment from this athlete, other athlete and to this other athlete right up to when she competed in the um in the games in the final so there was this this wonderful athlete who's who'd made it to the top and who we would think had so much 
to be grateful for and yet the resentment that was unresolved and unattended to actually came up and was stronger than the gratitude that she was feeling. So I thought that was a really great example of how much eat into our capacity to be grateful and so in order for us to be really thinking about gratitude in a really deep sense we also need to be thinking about this other dimension of resentment and what are are some sorry to, to cut you off there but what are some sort of ways that people do express resentment in a in a negative way uh well the most classic one and one that this other athlete was doing for this athlete work towards this athlete was backbiting and bitching and bullying to a certain extent they're classics and they're happening in every workplace across the world and i'm sure that most sporting organizations and and other organizations can identify with this where there's a little dark spot in any um, staff room or any kind of organization where there's unexpressed resentment and that and and resentment in the kind of etymology of the word is to resend and if we so we need to resend this kind of really stuck emotion so it's different from anger or frustration or disappointment which is kind of more at the surface and we can kind of address it by getting it out whereas resentment is those, those kinds of emotions that get stuck and they stick around in our heads and they ruminate and they go over and over and over in our heads and we can't get rid of them so they can't be resent so they get resent by um sort of the, the shock and the disappointment needs to be sh- needs to be go somewhere and it often gets shared in those really negative kind of ways and as a result of that the morale of people and individuals in organizations and sometimes the whole organization can be really damaged and and affected by the low but by by the the negative impact of this kind of form of expression of resentment and then at the core of that, the reason why we have resentment, I, I would think you might remember that I talked about three major causes and the first one is being made to feel inferior and the second one is where uh, expectations aren't met and the third one is a sense of entitlement. So we think that we should receive something that we're not receiving and as you can probably imagine, these are all really interconnected. But um, when you think about the selection process for elite athletes where they work day and night day and night and so have their coaches and the parents who support them for maybe you know a whole decade and then they come to this one moment where they whether they where they find out whether or not they're going to be selected and so it's kind of a a, a situation which is kind of ripe for these causes of resentment where your where your non-selection makes you feel inferior naturally and it makes you um, it, it can't you expected that this was going to happen and didn't happen so the expectations weren't met and in certain to a certain degree society sets it up so that athletes feel entitled to be to have to be treated um, respectfully and to to actually have the opportunity to compete in the games so they're they're kind of like it's a classic kind of example where these three things kind of all all mesh together um, but of course it's happening in a whole lot of other organizations as well as I said absolutely and you talk there I think it highlights how giving and receiving resentment is very unhelpful and what are some outcomes of suppressed resentment that people might experience 
Uh, well, there's been some psychological studies that have shown that uh, suppressed resentment can can it's not the only cause of these ailments, but it can lead to um, poor health in in regards to um, headaches, insomnia, stress, burnout, um, and even things like stomach ulcers. Um, and so. Uh, if we if we see anybody around us or our, us ourselves are presenting with those ailments often, one of the questions is not the only question, but one of the questions could be: Is there unexpressed resentment going on here? And for example, one of the athletes in this cohort that we were researching with uh, is a very quiet person, and she doesn't tend to express her feelings very much, and she tends to be a loner. And so, her way of expressing resentment isn't necessarily through backbiting and bitching and moaning etc but it is to kind of like stay alone and go inside herself and she's very shy and she identified that many of these ailments were a real indication of what happens for her when she can't when she can't find ways of expressing her resentment in that way so as you can imagine even though these these athletes and other people were really trying to find gratitude you can see how the the um, the outcomes of resentment can really undermine this capacity. That's why we have to address both, Brett. We have to look at both resentment and gratitude, not just one separate from the other. Absolutely. I think that's really uh, powerful for people listening to sort of understand how the two are connected. And from moving on from that, how do we sort of move away from the that resentment in towards being grateful? Well, I think the first thing is to, and one of the things that I recognize with these athletes, the, the thing that probably surprised me because I'm such a non-sporty person and I only have images of what happens in sport rather than things that are actually happening because it's not my area. But one of the things that surprised me from working with these athletes is how highly relational they are. So I think we need to, first of all, um, coming back to a previous point that I made, we first of all need to make relationships in our lives really count and not settle for any mediocrity about how these relationships are working, like to really be committed to working on difficult relationships so that we can grow and become champions of our character, but also our essential interconnectedness with other people is really honoured. And this is the thing that I think is going to impact on the world if we can really make relationships really count. And what tends to happen is when they get difficult, we push them away, we make the other person wrong or we blame other people or we kind of settle for far less. So even though we're kind of spending so much time and effort on improving our health and becoming the best kind of um, using ICT, the best IT, the best we can can, and um, you know, expanding our minds. It seems to me, at least in the Australian context and other other Western countries, at least there's there's kind of like this real settling for second best in terms of relationships, and we can we can kind of tend to coexist with relationships in our environment that that have really been damaged and we have the power to really um, remedy them through our gratitude and through, first of all, addressing the underlying resentments. So the first step is to make relationships really count. And then the second step is to 
um, make sure that um, we have a commitment to looking at underlying resentment that we might have caused the other person by making them feel inferior or by not meeting their expectations or by um, a kind of a victim mentality. And then also the resentment that we might have because of those. So bringing it to the surface. And I believe that gratitude has this amazing illuminating power because the moment we, we as soon as we start to try, this is what my research participants show me time and again, that when they, they do a workshop with me on gratitude and then they go out into the community and try and practice it. And then they go, oh, this is so much more difficult than I thought because it's really showing me the areas where it's really hard to authentically express gratitude to certain people because of this underlying resentment that needs to be addressed first. And so I say that's really powerful to be able to see that and be able to name it up and take it out of its hiddenness, which is the kind of characteristic of gratitude. So the moment we start to um, see, see resentment and name it up and bring it out of hiding, that's like moving towards gratitude because gratitude's at the other spectrum of, of resentment. And then, of course, to do other things in that relationship, which is to really get skilled. And this does take great skill at talking directly to the person about some pain and frustration that we might be feeling um, and not in a really dumping it on them way, but in a really win-win kind of mutual understanding and getting to know the other person kind of way and becoming really skilled at not holding onto it and bit backbiting but doing the opposite, which is speaking directly, knowing that the other person also needs to become a champion of their character. And so underlying all of that um, is also becoming really good at receiving other people's statements about what uh, or conversations or discussions about what how we might have hurt another person unknowingly because when they when they feel safe and trusting of us to be able to come and talk to us then we're opening up a huge wonderful um, sort of deepening capacity for relationships and I think that's going to really save the world if we can become really good at receiving and expressing direct conversations around hurt and pain um, and, that, and, that's, and that's going to really help gratitude come alive because once there's that honesty and we're able to really move and understand and change and grow our character because of that honest reflection and honest growth that that capacity builds, then more gratitude can really kind of flow between us. And, and, and my research has been showing that then when people do that, they're actually able to remember more about what they've received from this person in the past and therefore able to really awaken their gratitude through that. I love that you say that you believe that the gratitude can help save the world. That's brilliant. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. And yeah, that's why these podcasts are so um, important and essential because imagine, Brett, if we could all do this well. I mean, it takes courage, doesn't it, to do this? And it takes great commitment and it, it does, you know, and people, it, it takes a real kind of standard of relationships and character that we hold really dear to us. And we're not going to let relationships kind of like 
um, that negative relationships fester. You know, we're going to do something about it. Imagine a world like that where we all did something. Well, you're right. It's a skill that people need to work on like anything else. And you, you mentioned the word courage. And I think giving this information for people to understand the importance of working on the resentment and then working towards the other end of the spectrum around gratitude and when they can see the power of that, that's this will help people understand why it's important to invest into this skill of the practice. Yes, absolutely. And you've mentioned research quite a bit and my research is very surface level with uh, just the things that we spoke about at the beginning and talking to people on the phone and things like that. But I've, you do have done and are doing research projects on gratitude in cancer, research projects on gratitude in early childhood education, uh, research around gratitude in the context of Indigenous education. What's some of the really important findings that you're getting in those areas? Uh, well, I think that the, a common finding across all of them, including the research into Olympic sport, which is what we've just talked about, is coming back to relationships getting better. That's a common finding. And how does that sort of impact something massive like cancer in people's lives, whether they're the people with cancer or the families around uh, the people with cancer? How, how is this important in, in those aspects? Well, I have to say that that's just really preliminary. We're just doing some conceptual work on that at the moment with um, a professor of oncology in Sydney. So that's really in its very formative stages. But the reason why this professor approached me was because he notices that when um, patients are in a state of gratitude, then their relationships with all those who are caring for them really improves and as a result of that, they're able to be more looked at. Um, the, the quality of end-of-life care or quality of care as they're recovering or going through operations is higher because the people around them are more able to help when the patient themselves is grateful for that help. And even though that would be extremely hard because it's such a painful time, just anecdotally, he believes that that's what happens and equally so because he's in on top of my work on the gratitude resentment spectrum, equally so when the patient is in a state of resentment, this um, the opposite happens where because resentment repels people who are trying to hurt trying to help you and um, as you can imagine you know it kind of is it's very prickly and harsh when you feel so um, hurt and 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 um, you know things aren't turning out your way and you kind of if 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 we're not aware of how to how to express that and resend that in really positive ways it can kind of repel people around us who are trying to help us so he wants to do more work in that area from and and build research around what he has noticed as a practitioner for many years in this space well it also makes sense from the internal workings of the human body which is amazingly adaptive and you think about if a person is battling with something as intense as cancer on the inside and they're holding giving a lot of resentment and you know you're saying before about suppressed resentment can show signs of ulcers and uh, a lot of mental issues so you're just putting extra challenges and stresses on the body whereas the the other end of the spectrum and obviously the relationships is a big part of it but also I believe there'd be some major physiological changes internally that's only going to help the person and the body uh, fight that cancer. 
That's right, yes. And and if you bring all the research in positive psychology about how gratitude can really help certain ailments, then it makes sense that that could be transferred quite easily to um, cancer patient carer um, gratitude. Um, you know, a research that's shown that um, gratitude really impacts positively on reducing stress levels and heart heart problems, etc. So it's a very exciting new area um, because it once again it kind of shows how much character is really impacting on our physical and mental well-being. Absolutely. And then what about with the early childhood education? It excites me to think that the young ones and the future generations are coming through understanding uh, the power of gratitude. Yes. Well, once again, uh, I'm working, really studying that work with leaders of um, early childhood centres. I've got a research project going up with um, a colleague of mine in um, Queensland with the Anglican Schools Commission um, early childhood educators from from, uh, Queensland district. And we've got 16 of those who are going through a six-month program to investigate the role of gratitude in establishing really positive relationships in the and and their own sense of self-efficacy in the context of early childhood education and with the premise that once again if leaders are really able to practice and benefit from gratitude then the rest of the organization will really benefit just by osmosis and just naturally so it's about them practicing first before they then pass that on to um before before they then start bringing gratitude more fully into their staff so Brilliant. it's a really good recommendation for six months. And, and our preliminary data, it's just from one focus group. Um, I haven't done any analysis on it, but it's all pretty positive. But we're also kind of really interested in this research in every single context of picking up the challenges of practicing gratitude. And that's just, import, just as important in terms of research as the outcomes. So we're not just looking at the positive aspect, but looking at where gratitude's really difficult and as a philosopher and um, an educator, I'm really, really, really deeply interested in that story, <clears throat> in the story of where gratitude is hard because that's where I think a true um, story is being told about the narrative of gratitude and that's where we can really look deeply into what are the what are the blockages and how can we remove some of those blockages and how can we address them in really um, concrete and practical ways. So I think... Any kind of gratitude research really needs to have a strong element of looking at the obstacles. It's exciting and I look forward to following your work very closely and I could talk to you about this all day Uh, and like I said, we'll be following it and we'll link everything up in the show notes for people to follow your work too. But I'm all about actionable take-homes and this is something that I ask all of my guests on the podcast. I want to know what's your advice on what specific action our listeners can take today to become more impactful in their lives and their communities? Yes, well, this is such a great question because gratitude is not just a feeling, it's an action. So the first thing is to recognize that if we really want to practice deep gratitude, gratitude that's going to transform relationships and transform the world, which is what we're on about here in this, in this Absolutely. Um, podcast, having great impact, 
we need to move our gratitude from just from from just feeling gratitude, which is the first and very important place to start, to then acting on it in some way. So how can we express this gratitude to another person? And it doesn't need to be necessarily reciprocal, but it just needs to be a way of expressing gratitude. So, and, and as I mentioned before, Brett, uh, to recognize that relationships are more important than our tasks or our performance. So I think in the middle of um, this our busy, time-poor world where performance and performance objectives and, where, and, and all these other kind of external factors are, are kind of creeping into the way in which we perceive our value, we need to be strong enough and committed enough to making relationships really more important. And so therefore a commitment to that um, and to recognise that the quality of these relationships is really going to deepen through meaningful gratitude expressions, which means that we tune in to how the other person would like to receive our gratitude, not just the way we would like to give it. And there's a whole lot of cross-cultural kind of awareness that needs to come into that often. And, um, but also how we can express gratitude so that it's, it's truly authentic for us, which is why moving away from resentment is really important. And um, also I think, and this, this came out with the athletes as well, I think it's important that we become very, um, very equipped or able to, to receive gratitude from another person so that um, when somebody expresses gratitude to us, we, we kind of take a moment and really treasure it and, and take it and smile and, and, and kind of let it fill us up. And, and let the other person see this visually because when another person expresses gratitude to us and we just scoff it off or too busy or walk away and, and go, oh, yeah, or sort of think I'm not a touchy-feely person, um, then that can impact negatively because then that person who's taken courage to express gratitude might not ever express it again or might be a bit tentative because it hasn't been received well. So just as, just as we have to become good at, expressing gratitude we also need to become skilled at receiving it and that can actually be quite difficult for some people and then finally I think it's really important that we think about gratitude not just as an action but also as a practice so with a practice it's we choose something or someone who might be a bit difficult to practice gratitude with and we practice this in a step-by-step way with just with this one person over a period of time and watch that gratitude really deepen and, and give great focus to that one thing rather than signing up and trying to go, oh, yeah, I really need to practice gratitude. I'm going to practice it to everybody. Um, most of us can't achieve that over a period of time. So we need to do it in sustainable step-by-step and deeper ways. Many actionable take-homes right there. I absolutely love it. And I, I love that it all relates back to relationships. And one of my top core values is quality relationships. So I've, I value that so much. And another one of my uh, top core values is actually giving. And Kerry, we tried to communicate to be able to do this podcast at another time when we might be in the same city in Australia together, but it just didn't work out. So here we are on Skype. But I did send you the uh, the magic headphones that you're using. And within that, there was also a gift of a life tea that I wanted to give to you and also one of our thank you cards uh, for you to check out. Now, uh, these life teas are 
a really important charitable component of uh, of my movement and I wanted to express my gratitude towards you for giving your valued time and information to our listeners and present you with that life tea. So thank you very much. Thank you. That's a lovely gift. Thank you very much. And thank you for your great enthusiasm and energy behind this project, Brett. I think it's just brilliant. So thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. And we're almost ready to wrap up, but just quickly, where can our listeners learn more about you? So your website or social media and how yes. can I and the listeners help you on your journey? Okay. This is such a gorgeous question. <laughs> um, well, my, how you find out about me is through www.kerryhowles.com and no doubt you'll link my, that website with this Absolutely. This and I will similarly put this podcast on my website. Um, but you talked about this uh, earlier about um, uh, being able to, you know, do these podcasts and how you've really uh, managed to to learn a lot about how you do this over time. I would really appreciate any kind of help that anyone wants to offer me to do the, do more of this kind of thing because it's such a great way of getting messages out there. So this is a great help for me because I'm not skilled at this. I'm kind of buried in the research and buried in teaching and all the other things that I'm doing and in, in, in spreading this work. So that this kind of help from anyone is so appreciated. I'm and definitely here to be a vehicle for you for that. Don't worry about that, Gary. <laughs> oh, thank you. I would really appreciate that because we have just begun the conversation. There's so much more we need to investigate. So, and and I, of course, I would love to discuss with anyone who's interested to if they want to sign up for my newsletter, or to have discussions with me about where gratitude can fit into their workplace. But I think most importantly is really to just go back to this gratitude work, I see it more as a social movement, which is why I've been committed to it for over two decades now. And I'm really trying to initiate change on a world scale. Um, and I believe, as my research has shown, that when when leaders of organisations in particular or people have an influence on other people like coaches, school teachers, etc., people who are high in organisations, if they can really treasure the role that they have to express gratitude in the way that this is going to impact on those they influence, if they're able to really tune into this and really practice it in a committed way, then that's just like the best way to spread this work it's so fantastic if people are able to do this more fully than they already are absolutely it excites me to no end now just quickly the fast five questions to finish off now i haven't actually told you about these and i don't want you to take too much time in answering them just see what rolls off the tongue yeah okay so what's one habit you wish you could change procrastination <laughs> what makes you feel <laughs> absolutely pumped and exhilarated and energized this work on gratitude oh yeah have you ever <laughs> washed a dog yes simple what's the best piece of advice you've ever received make relationships count and what are you most grateful for in your life right now i'm really grateful to be living in tasmania beautiful kerry house you're a legend you certainly are a champion of your character and your work in this space is very impactful Keep shining your gratitude light. Thank you very much, Brett. Thank you so much for this great opportunity. Thank you. There you have it, guys. That's why we should all be expressing and acting out gratitude all the time in our lives. You have the choice to be a champion of your character. 
Make sure you check out the show notes to stay well connected with the awesome research Dr. Kerry and her teams are doing in this space and reach out to her if you think she can help your organization learn and implement the powerful strategies for growth. And I'd also be extremely grateful if you did a social media post of listening to this episode and express what you're most grateful for today and tag me in it at Life for Excellence. If you like this episode, please jump onto your podcast app and give us a five-star review. This helps immensely for me to be able to continue delivering value to you. It doesn't matter what app you're using, whether it's Apple Podcasts, which is formerly known as iTunes Podcast, whether it's Podcast Addict or Stitcher or whatever it is. You guys subscribing and downloading each episode is what keeps this podcast alive. And also, please share with your friends, your family, your community, and everyone you believe will benefit from this podcast. Don't forget to give me your feedback on what you loved and what you want to hear more of, so what value I can help bring into your reality. Reach out to us on social media, so Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Life for Excellence. That's at L-I-F-E-F-O-R-X-L-N-S. And you can also find us at yourlifeofimpact.com. And as always, remember, this is your life journey, your life of impact.